targeting you with weapons based on your race. Yep, got the story coming up. Nike, come on, man. How stupid can you be? And Americans are feeling the pinch really bad. We'll get the latest survey results coming up. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Wednesday. We're halfway through the week. We have uh, changed things up a little bit around here. So whether or not we actually have any sort of success, I don't know. We'll find out. We'll figure it out as we go, like we always do. Uh, we got lots of stuff uh, coming up. But by the way, this just arrived today. I don't know if you can see it. It is one of our uh, merch our merchandise, uh, Jay Sheldon Coffee Mug uh, from the Jay Sheldon Show. And uh, you can get it. There's a link in our show notes. Uh, it's, I think it's the top link, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, the very top link is uh, the Jay Sheldon Show Printify Me products. Uh, check it out. You can grab one of these mugs. as T-shirts and hoodies and all kinds of cool stuff over there if you, if you are so inclined. Right now, though, let's uh, jump on over to the latest updates on our favorite little girl. That would be Miko and the Miko update. Check it out. Now, listen, last time I showed you my new phone cover. See, there it is with Miko at the dog show. And yeah, I know I'm obsessed. There's another one. This is Miko in one of her rather funny poses. Uh, so, yeah, that's <laughs> that's Miko on the back of somebody else's phone. Uh, there's Miko everywhere. Uh, we don't sell these in our store, by the way, but I'm thinking maybe we should. But you'd have to stock so many different uh, phone covers that it'd be impossible. Anyway, uh, we're having a ball with these things. They're a lot of fun. They're really cheap, too. They're like 17 ringgit, which in USD, that's like almost free. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I just read headlines that Malaysia has been kissing ass with China and thinking about unpegging their uh, money to uh, the USD. In addition to who else has done it? Uh, I don't know. There's so many countries. U.S. Oh, my God. It couldn't be any more screwed up. Anyway, Miko's doing great. She had a couple of good walks today. She's uh, been fighting with her ball. We played ball in the yard for a while. And, of course, barking at the garbage people and, and all the fun stuff she does. Miko updates brought to you by the good folks right here at BarkBox.com. It's a monthly subscription service you get for your dog. And every month, there's a themed box of goodies that will arrive at your door. Uh, you get two uh, toys, two bags of treats, and a dog chew. Every month is a new theme, usually based around one of the holidays, like they probably something for Easter, for April, stuff like that. Check them out. BarkBox.com slash Miko is our special update for you to get this special offer, a free extra month when you sign up for a multi-month subscription from BarkBox.com slash Miko. Now, if you look in our show notes, there is another link below that one, which will get you a different bonus. If you use that that link from our show, there's Miko now yakking in the back. Anyway, that link will get you a double box for your first box. You get four toys, four bags of treats, and two chews, all in one big bark box. So check it out. Links in our show notes or check out BarkBox.com slash Miko. And that will get you those cool special deals. 
Hey, protect your online activity with the best and easiest VPN, NordVPN. Use our special link in our show notes tonight, and you will get an incredible deal three months at 59% off. Thank you, NordVPN. All right. How about how about a weapon that targets you based on your race? I am absolutely serious as a heart attack. I've heard this story before, but now apparently it's happening actively. This should scare the hell out of you. And no surprise here, the Chinese Communist Party are the ones developing it. I have to guess probably in some lab somewhere, the U.S. likely is doing the same sort of thing. Maybe not, because it's hugely unethical. I would hope they're not, but, you know, things like pandemics have convinced me that ethics really doesn't play into it much these days, sadly. Anyway, Chinese future weapons of war, links in our show notes, genetically engineered bioweapons. Not fooling around. As we witness conflict developing all around the world, Taiwan being the most critical at the moment, I think, because of America's perceived weakness, China and its activities, militaristic, economic, technological, are being very carefully watched. They've made no bones about the fact that their ambitions are to eclipse the U.S., and be the world's dominant superpower. Well, new information is emerging about some new technology that China could potentially be interested in. It sounds like something that could only come from the plot of some kind of horror science fiction movie or book. But it has the possibility of becoming very, very real. The Undersecretary of Energy for Science, Paul Dabar in the Trump administration, in a recent Wall Street Journal op-ed, he claims that in 2017, long time ago, long before COVID, the Energy Department's laboratories began to get concerned about U.S. biosecurity in relation to China. Now, the, re China. the reason is the Chinese general, who was the leader of the National Defense University in Beijing, stated that there may be some interest, which means they're interested, in China regarding the use of gene sequencing and editing that, pay attention to this next part, that could be used to develop pathogenic bioweapons that would have the capability to target those of a specific race or ethnic group, racial group. You know, much as we're all humans and we share DNA, our DNA sequence, based on your race, is slightly different. That's the reason I don't look like my Asian friends, because they're Asian. My DNA has a very specific sequence, as do Asian people or black people or Italian people. And so, yes, this utterly evil idea was discussed in a book also released back in 2017. It was called New Heights of War. 
The now-retired General Zhang Shibo talks about seven domains of warfare and says of the ethnic bioweapons, this is a quote, modern biotechnology development is gradually showing strong signs of characteristics of an offensive capability, including the possibility that specific ethnic genetic attacks could be employed. Mm, This is not a joke, folks. In addition, some people have reported uh, that the way they're going about developing this sinister technology, uh, we all know that China has been stealing our intellectual property for years and years and doing it as we speak. Well, they're suggesting that China may very well have the capacity to hack databases of genealogical websites. You know, you got these sites out there like Twenty um, and Me, where you you know you you sign up, you pay money, and then they send you a package. You take the swab, you put it in your mouth, you stick it in, and you send it off. And then they do a gene sequence and tell you about your heritage and your history and maybe some health issues you have the potential to have. No, and your background, you know, where your ancestors came from. It's all very cool, a little pricey, but it's cool. But they keep all that information in a database. And apparently the Chinese are hacking those databases, getting all that genetic information, which can only assist them in developing these race-based bioweapons. can't tell you how to stop it but it ought to, it's got to get stopped this is more than scary the still scarier part besides being used as a weapon of war the potential for using this kind of technology for things in a lot of places for example the uyghurs in china that would be an obvious dry run for the chinese government some sort of genocide of one group or another. And like I said, the Uyghurs would be uh, probably number one on their list. Another valid question, could a possible black market for these kind of weapons be developed? Anti-Semitism. It's on the rise in Europe. Groups like Romani Gypsies, often discriminated group throughout Europe. The Kurds in the Middle East. Could these weapons get in the wrong hand of somebody in the U.S.? Yeah. Don't think it couldn't happen. And as long as we're talking about bioweapons, that would likely be in the form, of course, of a virus. And let's all remember, viruses mutate. This is a scary, scary story, and you should check it out. It's in our show notes tonight. And it's frightening. Absolutely frightening. Yow. All right. What else going on here? I'm just checking on a few technical things, so bear with me while I do that, huh? All right. We've got, uh, we got, oh, man, we got so much crap going on here tonight. We will have our book, by the way. We'll continue White Fang coming up in just a little bit. Uh, we've got, oh, yeah. Mm. 
You know, I hesitated to do this because I'm so sick of talking about this woman. Man, sorry, not a woman. But it's important that you know what's going on out there and you keep up to date on the idiocy. You've seen the Bud Light numbers, by the way. You saw their profit chart hit the toilet. Well, not far behind, of course, is Nike. A pro tip for Nike. Listen up, Nike, if you're out there. Probably not a good idea to berate people who are already pissed off by your Dylan Mulvaney ads. This is a really cool article from Red State. The slogan of Nike, just do it. Oh, you know what? I've got a shirt that says, just do nothing. I should have worn that tonight. (laughs) The world's largest supplier of athletic shoes and sports apparel. uh, World headquarters, a mere eight miles from, wait for it, super wokeified Portland, Oregon. The increasingly controversial company enjoyed annual revenue sales in excess of 46 billion dollars last year 46 billion dollars the question is just do what tens of millions of americans who wore as opposed to wears nike for decades not only the shoes one of those uh, you get to be one of those people who get obsessed over the style and uh When Nike went woke, lots of people said, that's it, not anymore. The company's prostration before the Black Lives Matter altar made a lot of people swear off Nike products for good. Not to be outdone by the likes of Disney, now Anheuser-Busch, they decided to hire trans, whatever the hell he calls himself these days, Dylan Mulvaney, who frankly is is just such an embarrassment to women across the planet. Uh, Anyway, they hired him as its latest women's wear spokesperson. Now, Dylan Mulvaney, I I couldn't give a damn about Dylan Mulvaney, and frankly, neither should you. He's simply just the latest shiny hood ornament of the trans movement, nothing more. And when the next shiny trans person comes along, Mulvaney will be yesterday's news. Uh, But what you should give a damn about, and what you should always give a damn about, in reference to the entire LGBTQIXNLMNOPQ plus whatever movement, look, I've always said on this show, one of our number one rules is you do you. I have my opinions. You have yours. We can talk about them. We can argue about them. As long as you don't hurt anybody, you do you. Makes zero difference to me what adults do or don't do with themselves and other people in the privacy of their homes. But... Shoving this madness down our throats, forcing us to accept something we may or may not want to accept, particularly the low single-digit percentage of Americans 
who take part in this mental health epidemic of so-called transgenderism. And then left-wing politicians, including the woefully clueless Joe Bag of Oatmeal Biden, supporting so-called trans athletes who are beating the hell out of female athletes, giving them concussions, crushing skulls. Anyway, Nike's decided to double down. Marketing campaigns to promote the company's female clothing line. Uh, The response came amid calls for a boycott of the company shortly after Mulvaney appeared in paid social media content dancing in Nike women's sportswear. Dancing is uh, subjective. Anyway, this is a great article, well-written, and uh, Nike's just stepped in it again. Look at that, down 58. Go ahead, knock yourselves out. You do you, Nike. I don't have to enjoy it or buy it or spend it or spend any of my hard-earned money on any... Whoa, need a Miko update, do we? There we go. (laughs) I don't need to be spending my money on your crap. That's for damn sure. Uh, All right. Uh, You know what? Yeah, we'll see what happens. I think I'm still lagging tonight, by the way. We did some adjusting. Seemed to have helped. But... I have a feeling we're lagging a bit. We'll see. We'll see what happens. If I am, just stay with me. I know if it freezes, just be patient. Just give it a couple seconds and it will unfreeze. I know that does happen sometimes. I've got a screaming fast internet connection. Really. I've updated all my cables. I have a Cat8 uh, LAN cable. That's like the best you can get. So, yeah. Uh, This is an article... It's called Don't Believe the Hype. I linked it in our show notes. I'm going to read part of it verbatim. It's written in the first person by Roger Pelkey Jr. And it's brilliant. When you get... I had somebody uh, give me a uh, follow request, uh, follow me on uh, Twitter. And I always follow back unless, you know, you're some obvious bot or sex site of some kind. I get those too. But anyway, you can find me on Twitter at It's Jay Sheldon, I-T-S Jay Sheldon. And uh, the link to that also, by the way, is under our social media listing in our uh, show notes. So she started messaging me, this woman, and ranting on about climate change. And you know my feelings about climate change. I think it's all bullshit, and I absolutely don't believe any of it, and the science proves me right. Well, this article, brilliant, brilliant article. It's, uh, again, it's from Roger Peekley, or Peckle, I guess. Pilka, Jr. And it's it's just words on a page, not a whole lot of pictures to go along with it. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll show it to you, but uh, yeah. So check this out. Because the data is right here. In September, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres made the following claim on the release of a report titled, ironically enough, United in Science. Here's the report. 
Floods, droughts, heat waves, extreme storms, and wildfires are going from bad to worse, breaking records with ever-alarming frequency. Ooh. Heat waves in Europe, colossal floods in Pakistan, prolonged and severe droughts in China, the Horn of Africa, and the United States. There's nothing natural about the new scale of these disasters. They are the price of humanity's fossil fuel addiction. The number of weather, climate, and water-related disasters has increased by a factor of five over the last 50 years. Well, as I and many others have documented, his claim of a 500% increase in disasters is 1,000% pure misinformation. It's just simply a lie. You will never find a more obvious and egregious wrong claim in public discussions from a more important institution. Making matters worse, the false notion of a massive increase in disasters legitimized by none other than the World Meteorological Organization, which, by the way, is one of the founding bodies of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. This writer spent 30 years working to understand trends in disasters, the role played by societal vulnerability, exposure, climate, variability, and change. And along the way, he's observed a concerted and a successful effort by client advocates to create and spread disinformation about disasters, knowing full well that virtually every journalist, every scientist will stay silent and just allow this fake false information to spread unchecked, and sometimes even helping to amplify it. You know, the actual science of weather, climate extremes, disaster, far more nuanced and less apocalyptic than usually is found in most public forums. To be sure, 2022 saw some notable weather and climate-related disasters, among them the flooding in Pakistan, South Africa, Nigeria, India, U.S., Brazil, draft, uh, drought in uh, Europe, Eastern Africa, China, Hurricane, late, uh, Hurricane Ian in Florida. Preliminary estimates, as many as 11,000 people died around the world from weather and climate-related disasters in 2022. That's just about the average of the previous decade. No increase, just about the average. Now, if you look at some of the high-level data here, take a look at these charts. This global weather and climate disasters from 2000 to 2022. 22 years of data, and take a look there. You see that giant spike at the end? In 2020, no, uh, huh? Oh, there's not a giant spike. In fact, it's gone down. Yeah. So the next time one of your tinfoil hat climate crisis goofball friends, you, you know, take this. Take this article. Stick it on your phone. You can show it to them. That's 22 years of data. Virtually 
no change. Global weather losses as a percentage of global GDP from 1990 to 2022. Take a look at that. You got a couple of spikes in there, 2005, 2017, but at the moment, we're just about at the average point where every year for the, you know, since 1990. This article is absolutely brilliant. It's got some great, great information in it. And uh, it's from the honest broker, Roger Pilka Jr. And it is a brilliant article. You got to check it out. Uh, if you get a chance, it's in our show notes. And it's, uh, it'll open your eyes to exactly, and you know, the rules, the laws, they're changing everything based on all this climate garbage that's nothing more than science fiction. But you just keep, you just keep drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, this is from Red State. How much is a man's life worth? Well, according to an Alameda County District Attorney, about five bucks. Or five years tops. Yeah, five years tops. <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey, before we get to that, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, and that is NordVPN. You know, in today's digital age, our online privacy and security are more important than ever before. And that's why NordVPN is the perfect solution for protecting your internet activity. You don't want people spying on what you do, what you download, what websites you visit. With NordVPN, you can browse the web securely, privately, without worrying about hackers, snoopers, or even your own internet service provider tracking your online behavior. Military-grade encryption technology ensures that your data stays safe and confidential. So not only does NordVPN protect your privacy, also unlocks a world of online content. Over 5,000 servers in 59 countries, you can access your favorite websites, streaming services from anywhere in the world, Protect your family and friends and all their devices. A single NordVPN account, you can connect up to six devices from one account. NordVPN is user-friendly. It is easy to connect to any server. You just load it up, click the button, you're done. 24-7 customer service, always available to help. Any questions, you don't know how something works, you got any concerns, they're always there 24-7. Why risk your online security and freedom? Choose NordVPN. Enjoy the internet without limitations. Sign up today. Take advantage of our limited time offer for a ultimate online protection, NordVPN. Thank you, NordVPN, for helping to sponsor the show. And, uh, yeah, check them out. All right. This is... Got to stay with me here because it gets a little wonky. But follow. Alameda County DA Pamela Price believes a man's life is worth five years. Tops. There's the moron. A San Francisco Bay Area Asian American 
and a Pacific Islander community's frustration with progressive Alameda County District Attorney Pamela Price's unwillingness to specify charges against three suspected gang members who were accused of murdering toddler Jasper Wu. A toddler. Wu's death occurred on an Oakland freeway in November of 2021. It's a tragic, tragic story. Crossfire between rival gangs hit the car he was riding in with his parents. Turns out this is hardly Price's sole ongoing controversy. It, the crossfire hit the car and killed Jasper Wu. In Price's fashion of avoiding the media, using unchallenged social media challenge, uh, channels to promulgate her views, she released this rather curious YouTube video. See if it'll play. The time for a change in the justice system is now. My team and I are working hard and are committed to making sure that the process is fair and that the public is kept safe. I have been in office now for a few months and I wanted to catch my breath and talk to you about what we have been working on. It has taken a while to get situated. To be perfectly frank, it hasn't been easy to make changes in this office. We have spent quite a bit of time establishing new, clear lines of management accountability and communication. Yeah, yeah. okay. Whatever. The rest of the story. What, pray tell, did Judge McCannon do to raise Price's wrath? Feel up a clerk, be spotted at 3 a.m. hanging off a light post in downtown Oakland singing, I'll take you home again, Kathleen. Wear a MAGA hat to work. Nope, none of those. He had the unmitigated gall to reject a plea bargain that was proposed by the DA's office regarding Delonzo Logwood, someone involved in this gang shooting that killed young Wu, the toddler. Logwood was charged alongside uh, 30-year-old Dijon Hollifield with five homicides. Between the two of them, in the span of 45 days back in the summer of 2008. He was 17, Hollifield at the time. Ultimately prosecuted in juvenile courts, according to records. This is insane. For this, the DA proposed that Logwood plead no contest to one count of voluntary manslaughter, bringing a sentence of 15 years, and the deal would include the seven years he's already spent in state prison while awaiting trial, meaning he'd basically walk away a free man in eight years after murdering three people. Judge McCannon considered and rejected the deal, and Price's temper tantrum came out. He also rejected requests by both the prosecution and the defense to remove himself from the case. It warrants mention that the defense has agreed to the DA's proposed plea bargain. So, if you're wondering what a human life in the East Bay is worth, now you know. About five years. Fear not, Alameda County District Attorney Pamela Price is totally 
committed to keeping the public safe. Unless you're already dead. In which case, your family and friends need to stop whining and suck it up. Because uh, compassion or something. This case is weird. This is an idiot. Uh, likely one of those Soros-backed DAs. It's... It's sad we have to live in this kind of ridiculous world these days. All right. Uh, we got just a couple more to uh, get to here before we move on to our uh, to our book. Here's another one from Red State. How you feeling, America? Financially stressed? Are you living paycheck to paycheck? Chances are, very good chances are, you are nodding your head. And this is not good news. According to a poll... 70% of Americans are feeling financial stressed. 70%. 58%, way over half, are living paycheck to paycheck. Unbelievable. The U.S. economy continues to experience rather significant headwinds under this rotting bag of oatmeal in the White House's leadership. Uh, CNBC poll, mm, conducted in partnership with Momentive, found 7 in 10 people, Americans, admit to feeling stressed. And 58% of people say they are living paycheck to paycheck. Wow. 13% of Americans say they're confident in America's banking system, according to a new poll. Yeah, wait till central bank digital currency happens. Then we'll talk. It's going to happen, by the way. I, I'm not going to get into that on this show. We're going to do a whole show on digital currency and what a mistake, what an absolute freaking mistake it is. If you don't know that already, you don't start calling up your representatives and telling them you'd want no part of it. It's going to happen anyway, because they don't care what you think. They're going to do what they want. Read this whole article. It is a great, They really take a deep dive into this, uh, this latest poll. But just the headline alone, 70% of Americans feeling stressed financially and 58% living paycheck to paycheck. That is scary stuff. Uh, we got one more. We always end things up with a little bit of good news because after that, we need some good news. <laughs> it's a great story, by the way. It has to do with a uh, the. Uh, it has to do with kids teaching us how we should be behaving. Check this out. Links in our show notes. An eight-year-old boy pays off the school lunch debt for another student after he saw a friend refusing a hot lunch. There's the guy. Wow. His name is Caden Typolis. He was compelled to intervene after he witnessed his classmate being served a cheese sandwich for lunch instead of a cooked meal. 
Amber Melky Peters, his mom, describes how he came home the day distressed over the events and asked how he could prevent it from happening again. So he started a website, fundraising website, called Pay It Forward, No Kid Goes Hungry, with mom's help. There he is. He urged friends and relatives, neighbors and others, to help pay off the bills for not just this one kid, but all of his friends' meals that couldn't afford it once the site was up and running. He also began recycling in order to collect money on his own. He requested the lunch ladies deposit the funds into the accounts of the youngsters who were in need. Now get this. The campaign, it earned $7,000 in the name of providing meals for more than 300 students since it started. Wow. He says he's going to continue the effort. No kid should ever go hungry. His mother said she is incredibly proud of her son, as well you should be. Eight years old, and uh, his ability to understand the notion is astounding, in her opinion. He has, there he is, he has, she says, a golden heart. And man, is that the truth. Wow. It's an article from heartwarming.com. Links in our show notes. Share it out on your social media. Let people know that uh, in spite of the fact that it seems like we're all going to hell in a handbasket, just occasionally we do run into the story where somebody's doing the right thing. All right. Are you ready for White Fang? Yeah. We've done about 40 minutes here. Hey, we, uh, we read books on this show. It's, uh, we cover news of the day and political commentary. And then at the end of the show, wind it down, we read books, classic books. We've done uh, all kinds of Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, Alice in Wonderland, The Little Prince, you name it. We've done so many great books. And we've been doing White Fang. We're on the last part. Now, each part's broken into four or five chapters. And uh, so we're going to get through this. When we're finished, we had a uh, suggestion from one of our viewers, listeners, uh, that we do 1984 from George Orwell. Brilliant idea based on kind of what this show's about. So, yeah, we'll be starting George Orwell's 1984 coming up once we've finished with White Fang. Can't wait. All right, here we go, and uh, boy, it's been quite an adventure so far. Wheaton Scott had set himself the task of redeeming White Fang, or rather of redeeming mankind from the wrong it had done White Fang. It was a matter of principle, conscience. He felt the ill-done White Fang was a, a debt incurred by man, and it must be paid. So... He went out of his way to be especially kind to the fighting wolf. Each day he made it a point to caress and pet White Fang, and to do it at length. At first, suspicious, hostile, White Fang grew to like this petting. But there was one thing he never outgrew, his growling. Growly would, from the moment the petting began until it ended, but it was a growl with a new note in it. A stranger couldn't hear this note, and 
To such a stranger, the growling of White Fang was an exhibition of primordial savagery, nerve-wracking, blood-curdling. But White Fang's throat had become harsh-fibered from the making of ferocious sounds through the many years since his first little rasp of anger in the lair of his cubhood, and he could not soften the sounds of that throat now to express the gentleness he felt. Nevertheless, Wheaton Scott's ear and sympathy were fine enough to catch the new note, all but drowned in the fierceness, the note that was the faintest hint of a croon of content, and that none but he could hear. As the days went by, the evolution of like into love was accelerated. White Fang himself began to grow aware of it, though in his consciousness he knew not what love was. It manifested itself to him as a, a void in his being, a, a hungry, aching, yearning void that clamored to be filled. It was a pain, an unrest. It received easement only by the touch of the new God's presence. At such time, love was joy to him, a wild, keen, thrilling satisfaction. But when away from his God, the pain, the unrest returned. The void in him sprang up, pressed against him with its emptiness, and the hunger gnawed and gnawed unceasingly. White Fang was in the process of finding himself. In spite of the maturity of his years and of the savage rigidity of the mold that had formed him, his nature was undergoing an expansion. There was a burgeoning within him of strange feelings, unwanted impulses. His old code of conduct was changing. Now, in the past, he'd liked comfort, surcease from pain, disliked the discomfort and pain, and he'd adjusted his actions accordingly. But now, it was different. Because of this new feeling within him, he oft-times elected discomfort and pain for the sake of his God. Thus, in the early morning, instead of roaming and foraging or lying in a sheltered nook, he'd wait for hours on the cheerless cabin stoop for a sight of the God's face. At night, when the God returned home, White Fang would leave the warm sleeping place he'd borrowed in the snow in order to receive the friendly snap fingers and a word of greeting. Meat, even meat itself, he would forego to be with his God, to receive a caress from him or to accompany him down to town. Like had been replaced by love. And love was the plummet dropped down into the depths of him where like had never gone. Responsive out of his deep come the new thing, love. That which was given unto him, did he return? This was a god indeed, a love god, a warm, radiant god, in whose light white fangs nature expanded as a flower expands under the sun.
But White Fang was not demonstrative. He was too old, too firmly molded to become adept at expressing himself in new ways. He was too self-possessed, too strongly poised in his own isolation, too long at a cultivated reticence, aloofness, and moroseness. He'd never barked in his life. He couldn't now learn to bark a welcome when his god approached. He was never in the way, never extravagant nor foolish in the expression of his love. He never ran to meet the god. He waited at a distance, but... He always waited, and was always there. His love partook of the nature of worship, dumb, inarticulate, a silent adoration. Only by the steady regard of his eyes did he express his love, and by the unceasing following with his eyes of the God's every movement. Also at times, when his God looked at him and spoke to him, he betrayed an awkward self-consciousness caused by the struggle of his love to express itself and his physical inability to express it. He learned to adjust himself in many ways to his new mode of life, born upon him that he must let his master's dogs alone, yet his dominant nature asserted itself, and he had first to thrash them into an acknowledgment of his superiority and leadership. This accomplished, he had little trouble with them. They gave trail to him when he came and went or walked among them, and when he asserted his will, they obeyed. Well, in the same way, he came to tolerate Matt as a possession of his master. His master rarely fed him. Matt did that. It was his business. Yet White Fang divined that it was his master's food that he ate, and that it was his master who thus fed him vicariously. Matt, it was who tried to put him into the harness, make him haul sled with the other dogs, but Matt failed. It wasn't until Wheaton Scott put the harness on White Fang and worked him that he understood. He took it as his master's will that Matt should drive him and work him just as he drove and worked his master's other dog. Different from the Mackenzie toboggans were the Klondike sleds with runners under them, and different was the method of driving the dogs. There was no fan formation of the team. The dogs worked in a single file, one behind the other, hauling on double traces, and here in the Klondike, the leader was indeed the leader, and the team obeyed him and feared him. That White Fang should quickly gain this post was inevitable. He could not be satisfied with less, as Matt learned after much inconvenience and trouble. White Fang picked out the post for himself. Matt packed his judgment with strong language after the experiment had been tried, but though he worked on the sled in the day, White Fang did not forgo the guarding of his master's property in the night. Thus he was on duty all the time, ever vigilant and faithful, the most valuable of all the dogs. And that's where we'll leave it for tonight. We will pick up again on Friday night. 
with the adventures of White Fang. Cool. And when we're done with this book, we'll be doing 1984 from George Orwell. Hey, just one quick big favor. Right down here is a follow button. If you wouldn't mind, just move your mouse or your finger up over there and go and click that. It's free. It helps our show out a tremendous amount. And uh, it's free for you. Thank you so much. You'll also get that easy notification when we go live or when we put up new content. So thank you for that. All right. I will see you again on Friday. Be sure you check out all of our sponsor links and all that. They're in our show notes. Until Friday, this has been the Jay Sheldon Show. Good night. (laughs) 